This episode of the Comedy Zone podcast is brought to you by BarkBox. Make your best friend happy at getbarkbox.com slash comedy zone. From the Comedy Zone in Charlotte, North Carolina, this is the Comedy Zone podcast. Find us on Twitter at the CZ podcast and email us at comedyzonepodcast at gmail.com. Now, your hosts, Will Jacobs and Sammy Joe Francis. Welcome to the Comedy Zone podcast, everybody. Hey. How's it going, man? It's going well. How are you? Ah, I'm okay. We're missing one of the uh, members of the super team here today. Yeah, Sammy Joe out of town, apparently. Do we know where she went, or did she just need to get away from us? I... (laughs) I think the I think the second one maybe too. The last thing you saw, I always on like Wednesday, I always say, "Hey, you know what time do we want to record?" Um, you know, I send you guys a group text message, and uh, you usually tell me what time works, and then we kind of decide. And so the only message I got from Sammy just said, "said If I'm in town, I'll be there." Right. And then I didn't hear from her again. So then she was saying, "Don't expect me." I think so. If I'm there, it's a bonus. Yeah, I didn't want to follow up, and I didn't want to, like, you know, like, hey, you're going to be around? Because that's just, you know, if we're all getting paid to be here, that's one thing. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I'm not getting paid to be here. I am getting paid to be here. My wife pays me to leave. All right. Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, that's different. Um, So I don't want to nag. So I didn't send her, you know, a follow up question like, "What are the odds you're gonna?" Be? So I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and assume she's not gonna be here. Yeah. If she walks in the door, bonus. It's a bonus. Yeah. Right. So uh, this week, uh, to sit or to stand or to kneel or to yeah. uh, that is, who that's taken over. We've we we we've again we have lost our damn minds. It is. Uh, <laughs> wow. Just, yeah. <laughs> There's there's a lot going on. Um, there's a lot going on, and I know that me, you know, being a big time sports fan, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's sort of all these intersections that are like fascinating to me, and some of it I've I've tweeted about. Um, I don't. I think I've all I've done is tweet when a thought strikes me, but that's it. I haven't really yeah. put it on stage yet, or and I'm sure it'll come to the stage, but it's just so weird. It's like. This it, it's like the Colin Kaepernick situation has sort of forced this reexamination of what patriotism is. Well, it, it, I think yeah, to a point, but I think that forty five and his agenda have done more to expand. I mean, he took you know what was a couple guys kneeling and or sitting during the national anthem to you know now the entire league has to you know the 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 commissioner of the league has to release a statement. The entire league, you know, whole teams are figuring out what they're going to do. There's meetings and all this other stuff. I think, you know, 45 to further his agenda mm-hmm. and to further drive a wedge between his base and the rest of the American public mm-hmm. is more, I hate to say it, but he's more of an instigator into what happened this past week than, you know, Colin Kaepernick was. Right, right. But in terms of in terms of where we find ourselves uh in terms of where we find ourselves sort of in this moment this cross section between sports and patriotism mm-hmm. i guess you know these two worlds have 
collided in that yeah. way. Yeah. And they've always been intermingled. I mean, mm-hmm. we've always had the flag ceremonies and the different causes yeah. the NFL wants to promote. So for a lot of people, it seems like uh, they want sports – they want politics out of their sports when it disagrees with theirs. Yeah, right. Right. right? right like exactly. they never have an issue when the NFL is doing the other thousand things yeah. it does that not, that has nothing to do with football. Yeah, when the military dads come home and they have the reunions, or when the guys are wearing pink, <laughs> or when or when the NFL is yeah. paying fifty million to teams. I mean, when uh, right. the the you know the um, when the Pentagon or whoever bunch that money out is paying 50 million department of defense right to nfl teams to allow them to have yeah you know uh military displays and stuff the, on the flyovers field. which cost god knows how much money yeah. and i'll be <laughs> honest if the if i don't even watch the national anthem when i'm watching sporting event, like i don't even watch it i turn away especially if the person can't sing well because yeah. this is just awkward for four minutes <laughs> <laughs> so i really don't watch it like because i just i i've never seen where okay Let's uh, think about and honor the country, and then have these men battle rattle their brains around for sixty minutes. Like I just yeah. don't see yeah. the connection. Yeah, you know. So, but but we are at this place where some people are asking them, "What does it mean to be an American? What does it mean to be a proud American? What does it mean to be a true American?" And I think that, um, you know, for me, I just refuse to let anyone else dictate that to me right you know i'm a tax-paying citizen uh I've, I've given a ton to every community i've been in i've always you know worked for quote unquote the the greater good or yeah. whatever else um you know i just I, I i just won't let someone sitting on the couch tell me what it means to be an american right right and you know so i don't i don't think that you know people say well if you don't like it leave and all this stuff it's like you don't have the right to tell anybody that you're talking to other citizens who yeah. have just as much right to this thing as you do yeah it, it, i don't know if it's if it's the natural progression of the way the way the united states has grown from the the you know the the revolutionary war to the you know declaration of independence to the constitution to establishing a democracy to um being um, the you know land of the free and the home of the brave and all that stuff to you know two hundred and how many ever many years later to where we are now almost one hundred and eighty degrees you know separate mm-hmm. or, or beyond you know where we were two hundred some odd years ago mm-hmm. that if it's the natural progression if if you know democracies tend to eat themselves. Mm-hmm. Or mm. if it's just if it's growing pains, you know, or what exactly is happening right now, I don't know. Because as a country, we've always had you know our struggles, but it I feel like it's never been quite like this. Certainly not in my lifetime. It's never been quite like quite as quite as as. I mean, we're. I mean, I know the '60s, you know, the civil rights movement. Obviously, that was a flashpoint. I feel like this is another flashpoint, very much like that. Mm. And 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 I know it's because we're exposed to more. It where where we get all this information at the same time, and if a small amount of people is is quote unquote outraged by a thing, it gets blown up because of the news cycle yeah. and because of Twitter and because of 
you know, social media. And so I know we're exposed to more. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that, you know, does more to kind of fan the flames of this type of thing than it would have been 30 years ago. Okay. You know, the, the, I don't know that we're, I don't know that we're, that we're fundamentally as a country, you know, that much different probably than we were. Mm -hmm. It's just, we hear about, you know, every time a net farts on the West coast, we hear about it. Right. 15 seconds after it happened. Right. So it's, I feel like it's, you know, it's part of the growing pains of being a free nation, being a democracy Mm -hmm. and being, going to hopefully get to where we had hoped to be 200 years ago right you know or the vision maybe that that the quote-unquote founding fathers had for us Mm -hmm. you know that we're still on the way to doing that yeah yeah and it's and you know that i like i i like it in some ways because it forces it just forces you know, it forces players like Colin Kaepernick and the issues he's speaking out on force forces sort of the the United States to look in the mirror and mm-hmm. ask itself about its creed and whether it's living up to the things. Yeah. You know, the aspirations and, you know, it just it forces a different kind of conversation and people need to be a little uncomfortable. I don't mind. You know, I don't mind this notion that, oh, I just want to sit down on a Sunday and not have to worry about what's going on. It's like, well, I can't afford as a black male in this country. I can't afford to have people not worrying about what's yeah. going on. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, when my son has a certain likelihood of perishing at the hands of the state versus someone else's child, I can't afford as a black father for us to kind of I can't afford patience. Right. You know, I can't I can't afford patience. And um. I think that you have, but the, but there are issues that, but this is this whole take a knee movement, right? Because mm-hmm. everybody's telling the NFL to take a knee. It's flawed in its own way. Absolutely. For me, I mean, it, you know, in terms of because it's like, and I put this on Twitter as well. It's like on one hand, you know, you tell white people, don't tell black folks when and where to protest. Don't tell us that. Right. But then you have a whole lot of black people telling the players. When and where to protest? You need <laughs> yeah, to protest yeah. on Sunday at noon. Yeah, you need to do it. And if yeah. you're not, you're an Uncle Tom. And if you're this <laughs> and then you're that, I mean, I've been called a coon this week. I've been called Uncle Tom. I, like I've been called all of that just for presenting opposing sides because it's different viewpoints. Because we're talking about rights. Colin Kaepernick has a right, absolutely, to freedom of expression and speech. But the owners also have a right mm-hmm. to determine who they want on their team. Right. Like they have that right. Yeah. So we can't, I don't believe we should be forcing them, trying to force them to hire Colin Kaepernick. Right. The problem is uh, all of the NFL owners, save one are old white dudes. Uh, Everyone in decision-making capacity, almost in the NFL, GMs, presidents, all old white dudes and young white dudes and rich white dudes and rich white dudes. Like it's all the same group making these decisions. So whether Colin Kaepernick is hired or he's fired, that doesn't change the systemic problems Mm -hmm. that are present in the NFL. So I don't get too invested in whether he gets a job or not. I mean, he to me, that doesn't move the needle. What moves the needles is. The players say, and Malcolm Gladwell asked this question, and I've started to ask it like, why Why does the NFL need owners? 
Right. Like, what do they, right. what fundamentally, what do they do? Yeah. Besides built the taxpayers for millions to build stadiums. Aside from that, the players are 100% of the product. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could you could rent out college stadiums. You could lease uh, stadium space and run these games. Mm-hmm. I'm not tuning in to see Daniel Snyder. Right. I want to see Kirk Cousins throw the ball to Terrell Pryor. Or I, I'm not tuning in to see Jeffrey Lurie. I want to see Carson Wentz drop back and hit. So I don't give a shit who owns it yeah. in that sense. Yeah. So why don't the players go, hold on a second. We're 100% of what people are tuning in to see. Why don't we just start our own? Yeah. But you ha- And I think part of the reason that conversation hasn't t- really taken steam is because there's this sort of old kind of trope where if it ain't white, it ain't right. Mm-hmm. And if there's not some old white dude at the head of it, yeah, it's like we don't trust the direction of it or something. It's weird. It's like, like, like for example, I went to a historically black college, mm-hmm. right, Howard University, Washington, D.C., and I'll meet students from other schools, sometimes black, that went to majority white institutions, and they said, well, why would you go there? Like, we fought for the right. I've had people tell me, we fought for the right to go to majority institutions. Why would you continue to do that? Those schools were founded for students that couldn't attend other schools. I'm like, because I don't need a bunch of white people around to legitimize my education. Yeah. Yeah. Like I had a really right, good education right. and yeah. whether white people were there or not, that doesn't like lessen the quality of, of it. course, but that's how some people think. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, that's the only reason I can think of that athletes don't stand up and go like, I, I'm like LeBron and some of these business minded cats like magic Johnson, like moguls. How come there's just not this thing? Like they're tuning in to see us. Yeah. Let's like, let's just do a new one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, and then all the shitty players can stay in the NFL. Yeah, like you could do that as soon as these contracts are up. Yeah, I think there's. I think, I think it's a little bit more complicated than that. There have been leagues that have, you know, the USFL, the 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 XFL, the you know, there's still talk of that new one that they're that they're supposed to launch in the spring. I guess that's supposed to start it, but but uh, traditionally and and. And actually, Trump ran the USFL into the ground, but mm-hmm. but the the you can't compete with the NFL right now. Well, if all the players leave, you can. Well, yeah, if all the but what are the odds that's going to happen? But that's what I'm saying yeah. is is I mean you know what we're I mean it takes it takes a fundamental shift in how we see sports and how we see the NFL. But I mean, if okay, let me ask you this question: If all the players decided. Or a majority mm-hmm. of the players decided, hey, we're going to start a new league. What could the NFL do besides be mad? Yeah, I'm sure there there would probably what they could do is is, and this is just you know I'm just guessing on my part, but could they sue with grounds or not? But but you know could they sue and just delay the development of that league and delay it and delay it and delay it until until it loses steam. I don't. I don't know. I'd I don't have know. To, I'd have to yeah. see the language in the in the CBA and these player contracts. Right. But I don't see like me as an attorney. There's nothing stopping me from going to start my even non compete clauses expire. Right. Like you can't. Like you can't have a you can't have a non competition clause in a contract that is unduly burdensome. Mm-hmm. So you can say, okay, you can't be a lawyer in this mile radius for a couple of years, but you can't say for the rest of your life you can't compete with us, right? Like, so there's a, there might be a time frame or a term that they have to wait out, but yeah. I mean, it's worth it 
to I mean, even if even if people said, OK, well, I don't want to watch that league and you lose half the viewership. Well, the players aren't even getting half of the profits now. Right. So if you took it all, right. if that happened and then 100 percent or close to it is going to the players or the owners of this league, then, you know, it's fine. That's what Ice Cube tried to do with the with the big three. You know, he had ex NBA players. Right. Come in and say, "Look, let's just let's just own this thing and rent out space." And now they got a, con- a TV contract with FS1. Like it's doable. It, right. is, it is very much doable. But that's not the conversation we're having. The conversation we're having is an employee boss one, and they should hire him and they should hire him. I just I, I, right. don't, I don't think there's any. No. I don't think there's any real progress in that. And you know that's the frustrating part about the discussion for me. On one hand, it's frustrating because we're not talking about like real true empowerment like we're not talking about that we're talking about whether somebody decides to hire or fire and trying yeah. to appeal to someone's conscience to hire somebody yeah like i just don't even like being put in that spot and then secondly i don't think that no one no one should be able to tell someone what patriotism is or what resistance is right i don't believe in hey if you don't do this you're not part of the movement Mind you, from a bunch of people that wouldn't do the shit themselves. Right, right, exactly. None of these yeah. people are going to work on Monday and say, "Stop the meeting! I got to take a knee." <laughs> That's right. None of them. Half while of we're them, having our donuts, <laughs> right? While we're having I'm our donut, hey, stop everybody! I got, I got something I got to say, <laughs> and then I'm gonna take this knee because I'm with Kaepernick. It ain't happening. But they expect the NFL players to go do that, and. Yeah. A healthy percentage of the people that are asking them to do this are doing it from Twitter accounts with aliases because they don't want their day jobs right. to know what they think. Right. They don't want anybody to be able to attach these thoughts to them. But you want this player to go stand up yeah. Ooh, yeah. and do that. I'm not going to do it. It's like we're so yeah. comfortable asking people to do shit we wouldn't do. Yeah, It's like you got to be kidding me. So I think there's room to say I support Colin Kaepernick's right to do this, and I'm 100% behind the causes that he's promoting. And recognizing the rights of the owners to say we don't want that guy. Because guess what? If I have an NFL team, I might say, hey, I'm playing Stevie Wonder before every game. And if you don't like Stevie Wonder, don't want to say along, get the son of a bitch off the field. Like, okay, fine. Right, right, exactly. yeah. <laughs> fine, I'm the owner. Yeah. You know, but that's what that's what comes with yeah. ownership. You can't walk into somebody else's shit and dictate the terms. If they don't it's too bad. They, yeah. they they own the shit. That's the problem. That's why what I'm talking about is worth doing, worth trying, worth yeah. something. Cause yeah. you're always you're gonna perpetually be in this position of what's allowed and what's not allowed. Right, right. Until you have your own. That's why I left what I did. I'm you know, I'm making pretty good money at, at these law firms I worked at. And it's like, you know, to walk away from that life, mm-hmm. to say I want something of my own. My comedy is my own. Right. I like being able to I've always said I'd rather I'd rather uh, vacation, you know, for one week out of the year mm-hmm. and determine when I go right. than have four weeks out of the year and somebody else tells me when I can leave. Yeah. I'm just not, I just. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. yeah. So, so that, so it's like every legal job I've had is, is to build my own. And now this comedy has become my own. I got my own LLC. I got a couple of people I pay to do stuff for me and it's slow and you take a hit, you take a huge hit. I make like a quarter of what I used to make. But I'm building something that belongs to me. Mm-hmm. And nobody gets to walk in the room and tell me anything. I don't work for any comedy club. Mm-hmm. I work with comedy clubs. Yeah, and there's a big time difference. Yeah. And so I think it's always worth pushing at and worth trying to do. But that, to me, is where is where the real progress is. It's not in whether one individual gets a job or not or whatever. Because, you know, there's other guys in the league that are taking a knee that are still under contract, that are still playing. So I, I just – and 
I said this too. If I were a president, right, that had no intention or knew that I couldn't keep the promises I made during my campaign, mm-hmm. I knew I couldn't keep them. Well, what, what, well, one thing I could do is start a culture war. Yeah. And I could get you all fixated on, they should stand, he should sit, he should stand, he should sit, he should stand. But what about those coal jobs in West Virginia you, you're talking yeah. about? Yeah. What about repeal and replace if we were going to get something much better than what Obamacare was? Yeah, he, he, he's, he's so full of shit. <laughs> and now he's got nothing to do but hey, look over here. Hey, hey, look at that. Look, look. at that. look at look at these guys are there. St- what 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 about these guys disrespecting the flag? And it's so easy yeah. to do. And, yeah. and, and he does it to both sides, not just his supporters, because <laughs> they go yeah, and then we go no, nah, fuck that, and we're on the other side yelling yeah. at each other, and nobody's holding this guy to the fire. I mean, he he distracted us through the campaign, mm-hmm. right? It was about pussy grabbing, yeah. and it was about everything else, but a serious litigation of policy. Right. So we got we got through the entire campaign and, and it was a distraction. Now he's going to distract us through his presidency. Yeah. And then he's going to finish the presidency and start Fox News two Trump edition and make another two billion yeah. from he'll distract us all the way through this. And we'll never get around to going, hey, what what was that? Yeah. In the meantime, we've got Americans collecting rainwater to survive in Puerto Rico Boy. and we're not doing jack squat to help him. <laughs> In spite of the, the everyone said, no, 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 everything's fine. Everything's fine in Puerto Rico. We're getting there. We're helping them. No, clearly we're not. No, I, this I, is. I, I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't. I don't understand either how how it's been. I mean, I know, you know, I know the Mueller investigation's moving forward apparently pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Remembering, it took two years for Watergate to develop into a criminal case. It's been eight months, or not even that, since Mueller's been on board. But, yeah. but they're, I mean, at some point, even Republican lawmakers who apparently will side with anybody <laughs> will have to, will have to decide how they want to be looked at in the history books. You know, and you can align with this guy. Or you can do the right thing now and say, we have to make some changes. Are they just spineless? No, they're, I, think, I think it's their sense of self-preservation, that they're so scared of losing their jobs, mm. that they're so scared of losing their power, because it's all about the power, power. and that, 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 that they'll do... I, Paul Ryan. They will align themselves with a monster to in order to save their gig and to save this life that they've created for themselves and to save this power wow. it, 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 it's i i even, i can't wrap my head around it even just the things that that he said about them individually yeah like, yeah wow. cruz and then to be like buddy buddy with him yeah yeah your father killed kennedy <laughs> and then the stuff he said about his wife the stuff he said about his wife and then he's shaking his hand God damn it. I can't figure it out. Where they do that at? Where do they do that at? I don't know. All right. James know. Davis is coming in. James, I'm very excited about yeah. this. James Davis, uh, star uh, of Hood Adjacent on Comedy Central. I'm looking forward to this. This is going to be a good interview. So he's going to be here in a minute. Let's go ahead and take a break. Yeah. And uh, we'll come back. So we'll be back. We'll be back.
Okay, guys, BarkBox. Now, we've been talking about BarkBox with you for like a month. We know that you're you're clicking on the link, you're going to the site, you're checking it out because we get those statistics and numbers and stuff like that, but you're not pulling the trigger. Uh, and, and, and we get it. You know, it takes a little bit of time to decide. But look, you love your dog. Do it for your dog. Do it for us, but do it mostly for your dog. You, you make your dog happy. You make yourselves happy as well. Here's how BarkBox wor- works. And this special deal, um, honestly, that uh, we've worked out with BarkBox is pretty awesome. It's basically an extra free month. You already get one month when you sign up for the 6- or 12-month package at BarkBox. I'll explain what it is in a minute. Uh, when you sign up for the sixth or twelve month package, you you already get one month for a dollar. We're offering you a second month for free, so an extra free month of BarkBox at uh, getbarkbox.com/slash/comedyzone. Now here's here's what you get with BarkBox. You love your dog. Every month, BarkBox paw picks the best all natural treats and innovative toys to match your dog's unique needs based on the size of your dog you put some information in they know how big your dog is and they're able to curate these boxes specifically for your dog all the edibles are made in the usa or canada and 100 percent tested on animals in a good way uh it's it's a great way bark box is a great way to try a, a variety of treats and toys from local and small businesses that you might not otherwise be able to find each monthly box has a theme. Last month was Pooh York City. Uh, this month's box, I don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be pretty cool. Th- there's new and unique toys that your dogs will absolutely love. And if your dog does- doesn't like something in the box, Sammy Joe's talked about this before, uh, we'll send you something they'll love for free. BarkBox is all about the dog happiness. Also, free shipping on any Bark box within the Continental United States. And when the dog falls in love with something from the box, you can easily find it again at BarkShop.com or the app by texting BarkBox. So here's how this works. Uh, you go to GetBarkBox.com slash ComedyZone. That's GetBarkBox.com slash ComedyZone to get your extra month of BarkBox for free. You love your dog. You're listening to this podcast, so clearly you have an affinity for us as well. Why not help us both out? Make your dog happy. Make us happy. It's the best way to help this podcast continue to do what it does and to help your dog continue to do what it does, and that's making you happy while you make your dog happy. It Look, everybody wins. There's no reason to not do this. Get BarkBox.com slash ComedyZone. Welcome back to the Comedy Zone podcast. Very special guest in the studio today. We got James Davis. Uh oh, that's right. That's right. The, the, I'm in here. The man's a writer, a performer, a TV, television star. It's, All that. You keep on reading what you just. Googled. You got everything. <laughs> He's in Vanity Fair, which I just saw. Yeah. I didn't even know you, they, they did a write up on your Vanity Fair. Oh, Vanity Fair, New York Times, L.A. Times. What? GQ, TV Guide. New Yorker. I'm out here. Man, you get more coverage than Trump. I'm critically acclaimed. Clearly. Mm-hmm. So yeah. The, so this hood adjacent thing's working out for you. You know, it is. It is <laughs> a little bit. You know, it started off as a joke. Really? It started off as an opening joke, an intro joke that I would say, just to kind of let my audiences know where I'm coming from, geographically and mentally. Like, hey, I'm hood adjacent. I'm, I'm going to tell some jokes that may be hood, but I may tell some jokes that are you know, mainstream or considered safe. Mm-hmm. You don't know. I'm hood adjacent. I'm adjacent from what you're expecting. Right, right. Well, I was looking forward to this interview because you're, I mean, I've seen interviews with you before 
and your experience kind of parallels mine. Mm-hmm. And I think a, a lot of other black folks where it's like, for me, like I grew up in the hood, like, you know, high murder rate, crime, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But also my family had the money to get me into certain schools. Mm-hmm. So it's like you you're, you have these sort of two different experiences. And, and in my mind, it's like you grow up always trying to reconcile that. Mm-hmm. Like, because you never, at least in my opinion, you never 100% fit into either yeah. one. Definitely. You know what I mean? Like, especially after you go off to school and come back home. Oh, yeah. Like, it's like, I don't even know. I'm, I don't know every, what language, I don't know everything y'all are saying right now. Yeah, it's 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 a, it's a weird feeling because, you know, you're confident in who you are and you know that you're living, you know, a life that your parents worked hard for you to live. Right. Obviously, it's great to go to private schools and get the highest level of education you can, but you do want to go outside your house and be able to relate with the people in the hood that live next door to you and be able to take play, you know take part in those conversations and laugh at what they laughing at. But then they might go off and rob somebody. And you're like, oh, I know that's wrong. I'm going to have to chill. <laughs> right. <laughs> but that might affect your bonding with those people. Right. Or, you know, and I'm not saying that the hood, all they do is go out and no, rob people, no, but no, no. there's just certain things that... Uh, happen in the hood they don't happen in the hood and when you're in the middle it's always a constant decision where do I align myself I know what's right for me but sometimes that alienates me in the hood and other times it alienates me on the golf course or in my classroom right right and and I like the way you you present this material too because sometimes when people talk about experiences and where they're from as it relates to other you know, areas or groups of people. Mm-hmm. I just feel like so many times people talk about certain aspects of the black experience as if it's some bastardized version of mm-hmm. the white experience. White people pay their bills on time. You know how we do. Uh, we don't. Blah, blah. And it's just that. like, yo, that. like, I don't not, know. I just I always cringe. It's not progressive. It's not true. It's not authentic. And it's like, okay, some of those scenarios may be honest, but why are we always focusing on that? Like, Okay, yeah, there's tons of black people with bad credit. But let's talk about the ones with good credit who are sending their kids to private school and handling their responsibilities right. and making James Davises. You know, like right. it's just I feel like there's more hood there's way more hood adjacent black people out there than just straight up and down stereotypically hood. And the 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 the, the word hood adjacent really just means there's more nuances to the hood experience than we're shown. Everybody in the hood ain't doing the same thing. Right, right. And there's a lot of good, positive stuff going on in the hood. Tremendous amount. And even the stuff that we laugh at in the hood, we can laugh at other stuff. We can laugh at uh, other phenomenons and situations rather than the same ones that we've been laughing at since the Friday movies and whatnot. Right, right. And I think that even if we, even if we are going to talk about the hood or, or certain aspects of it, it's like there's never an exploration into how we got there. Mm. Right. We're never having a we're never having a conversation about housing discrimination. We're never having a conversation about right. redlining. We're never. So it's like even even the negative things we're talking about, there's a reason for like it. Mm-hmm. Like people aren't just born and want to go rob a store. Right. Like they've been told they're over desperate. and over again that their lives don't matter. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I'm shocked when they act like their lives don't. Right. Like we've been telling them that that you True. don't matter their whole life. And then they act like they don't matter. And people go, well, I don't understand why they're acting like that. And so even. To that point, just showcasing parts of the hood experience that you haven't seen kind of validates those people in the hood to let them know, hey, maybe I do matter because they're yeah. showing they're showing they're to, highlighting their they're highlighting my experience and not just some, like you said, bastardized version of it. But they're just giving an honest 
viewpoint as if I'm also an American and this is a part yes. of the American experience yes. as well instead of like something to the side of it. So. And that's and I love that treatment because too often I think it was like the hood is just presented as there's this main character and every once in a while he's got to go through the hood. Right. Like, right. That's, that's the only treatment we give. And exactly. It's like, no, there's life there. There's culture. There's there's fun stuff happening. Let's let's live there. And then if we go out the hood, let's come back instead of being in this Hollywood production environment. And then we just go to the hood real quick and then leave, which is how most people treat the hood in general. They just go right. to the hood go to and then leave real quick. And then they make their assumptions and just spread them. Right. Right. So so then how did you. How did you take that experience and decide that that was going to be sort of the the basis for your writing and the basis for your stand up? Like, because you can have those experiences, but not mm -hmm. turn it into funny. How were you able to do that? I guess at the end of the day, I always wanted my comedy and my appeal to be large and not just for black people or not just for white people. I didn't want to be a comic, a black comic who only had white fans. And I didn't want to be a black comic who only had black fans. Right. So, and I also, in our country today, we're so divided. I feel like so many of these conversations that are going on involve uninformed people who don't know what they're talking about and don't understand the truth behind some of the arguments. So if I can inform people in the hood about information going on outside the hood and then inform people outside the hood about the realities of what's going on in the hood just by sheer educated information and facts, I feel like that brings people together. Like, if I go to Mexico and I don't know Spanish, then I go to Mexico and I know a little bit of Spanish. I'm going to enjoy Mexico more knowing a little bit of Spanish. Knowing a little bit of Spanish. So it's the same thing with the hood. You won't be so afraid to go to the hood if you've learned a little bit about the hood before you go in and it's not just some alien territory that you you never go through. And for people in the hood who are afraid to leave the hood, if I show you some things like my golf episode or other yeah. other things going on outside the hood and or they just see me as someone with hood validation operating outside the hood I'm an example to them that, hey, I don't have to just stay off Crenshaw or just stay in this hood area. I can go wherever I want to go and, and, and experience life because I'm seeing somebody like me doing the same thing. Right. So that was kind of like the, I guess, the initial motivation for the show. Now, and you were in you were in school and dropped out in college, right? Yeah, I, I Kanye Wested it. Kanye Wested it. Well, that, <laughs> se that seems to be the path to success. Yeah, yeah, mostly. Yeah. I know Diddy stayed at Howard for like a year and a half, and then he went and became a... I think with passionate people, sometimes college moves a little too slow, mm. and it's like, I, I figured it out now. Like, college is to figure out what you want to do. Yeah. And so if you've really figured out, like, oh, this you is knew. what I really want to do, after a while, college becomes a distraction. If you're not disciplined enough to do both. I wish I was disciplined enough <laughs> to just finish my assignments, get that degree, and then do it. But I wasn't. You had so these ideas. I, I had, had to just to go. Yeah. So, I mean, no knock to people who graduate college. I mean, that is a huge feat. And some people need all those years to figure out what their next move is. But I feel like somebody like Kanye or Diddy, they had an idea of what, what it was. And so... I, how you gonna go to class when you out here wanting to sign people or make beats? Yeah, it's like yeah. this. This right here, this this hour and a half ain't helping me get to my grandma at all. Yeah, yeah. Diddy was at Howard like taking trains up to New York, working yeah. for record companies every weekend. And like, that's another thing. Point. Yeah. See, that's the thing too. My college was forty five minutes away from L A. 
he's right there from New York. So also, when you're that close, it's like, so I could go to class today or I could just take this trip and just really start living life yeah. and chasing it. And then you start doing both, and all of a sudden you're just like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to just stay out here. Wow. And it's, it's funny. I really can relate to this because <clears throat> I myself, you know, I'm an attorney um, during the day. So I went, to, I went to Howard University undergrad and law school. So I did that. I finished up, worked at some big firms, and then I, I live here now. And I started performing comedy maybe five or six years ago mm-hmm. and, like, fell in love with it. And now I tour on the weekends, headline some clubs, feature other clubs. So mm-hmm. I'm, like, living that life. Mm-hmm. But I didn't realize that until, like, my mid-30s. Right. You know what I mean? Where, you know, and $140,000 worth of student loan debt in. Hey. I realized that. I, I just paid off my loans. <laughs> right. And I didn't even graduate. That hurts. Oh, you just man. paying the college back when you don't have a paper. It's hard to pay them back when you did graduate. So I can't imagine how hard it is. You're like, I didn't even get. I didn't the, even the get thing. the paper. I don't even. I don't even brag about y'all. I don't even talk about y'all in conversation. I haven't used y'all to get one job. I don't wear the shirts. I don't wear the shirts. <laughs> Nothing. And y'all are crippling me. And, y'all, and I'm sending. I'm sending checks once a month to this rumor. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly how it is. It's like I appreciate all the knowledge. I'm definitely a smarter and more, you know, <laughs> well-rounded, well-rounded individual because of what I learned. But man, <laughs> I paid for it. <laughs> oh my goodness! So then, where was your where was your family at on this? I mean, were they supportive of the jump, or was it a long time? My mom is a lawyer as well. Okay, uh, got her master's or maybe a. One above that. My mm-hmm. family is like an educated family. My grandpa graduated cum laude. My grandma graduated summa cum laude. So when you tell them, hey, y'all, <laughs> I don't want to do college no more, they're like, uh, well, go. Finish it for us. But I mean, finish it for us. I mean, my grandma to the point where I was like booking things. Like I think I was on Wallin' Out or just. On TV, and she was still like, but when you going to go back to school? I wow. Was like, I was like, it's kind of working out, Grandma. <laughs> Not, no, you ain't, mm-mm. So I think literally right around the time when I, you know, this TV show happened, or a little bit before, they finally got the idea that, okay, he's making money. He's he's using his, int- I think also because I'm using my intelligence within my form, my art form, that makes them feel better, too. Because okay. it's like, okay, maybe he didn't finish college, but... He learned things in college. He's representing our family as, you know, a thoughtful group. Okay, go ahead and do that. But I'm sure they all would have rathered me get that degree. Wow. So I'm not even sure. A hundred thousand percent sure. (laughs) Right now, if I told my family, hey, yo, I'm going to have to put uh, these thousands of dollars to the side right now so I can finish my degree, they'd be like, good choice. Good idea. (laughs) No, it's not a good idea. You know all the broke people out here with college degrees? Yeah. Like, <laughs> nah. So but but that's 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 good though. They're slowly coming around. Yeah, they're slowly coming around. I mean, well, I was on billboards in LA this summer. So I mean At this, that point uh, yeah, they gotta just let it happen now. I mean I, my mom's bringing them magazines where I'm in the magazine and stuff, so they get the point now. Right. But it's like I said, as long as I'm representing the family right, I'm not over here just you know, uh, cooning or misrepresenting myself to be, uh, you know, less 
intelligent than I am. So yeah. I think that's that's all that really matters. And it's interesting that you brought up the term Coonan because <laughs> it, it's like there there is that added pressure on black oh man comics. It's like you got you got to be not just funny, but you got to represent us in a certain that's way. That's why there's no black carrot top. How about that? <laughs> How about that? Because his family would be like, hey, man, stop that. You're making us look bad. What are you doing? Put that box away. Ain't no turnip top. Ain't no, yeah, what? <laughs> no sweet potato Jones. Collar top. Yeah, no. Sweet potato Jones. Oh, there probably has been there sweet probably, potato yeah, Jones. Yeah. I'm going to Google that right now. Hamburger. <laughs> I used to love him. Man, I don't know where he is, but I, my goal is to do some kind. I'm gonna, I'm gonna resurrect his career. Please, please, because you, you, you worked with, uh, was it Ronaldo Ray or no, 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 Ronaldo. no, uh, Sean Harrison. That's right, that's right, that's right, that's right. It'd be making me mad too, because there's a lot of stuff on my show that went over people's heads, and now people are talking about it now, like I didn't do it. So like, <laughs> so they just did a Family Matters reunion, and they're like, man, they brought. Family matters back. I'm like, I'm, that's crazy because this summer I brought back Waldo. But whatever. Uh, wow. Wow. <laughs> or with this whole national anthem protest, people are like, uh, people are taking these situations because, you know, there's a lot of dilution of that mo- movement right now. So I don't yeah, want to yeah. misrepresent it's it. It's about unity. But um, <laughs> lock arms. <laughs> lock arms together. Kneel before the anthem, but stand during it. <laughs> Is everyone happy? <laughs> no? Well, we tried. <laughs> But um, but like people are like man, y'all did y'all know the third verse of the national anthem is racist? I'm like I know because I talked about it in episode one <laughs> of my show. I know before I did a trap cover of the national anthem. <laughs> but y'all want to talk about it now? So you know it's, it's things like that. It's like we talked about this already, right? You- but being that being that aware is like that's 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 fun. Just informing people and being on the pulse of what people need to know, even before they know they need to know it. Wow. Hashtag deep. How about that? <laughs> you got deep on us today. So do you ever, so what What? What are your thoughts on the, the anthem controversy? You know what? I feel like it's a protest right now is real tricky. And at the end of the day, the people who critique protests don't understand protests because you can't protest while making people comfortable right that's not a protest that's not a protest if i'm comfortable then i'm not paying attention to your cause because i'm comfortable in my life right so in order to if we're trying to appease everybody while protesting that's not going to work right so i believe that it was I, i stand behind what colin was doing before he was not allowed in the league this year Mm mm-hmm but it's tricky because it sucks that he doesn't have a job. And it sucks that while you may be trying to just get a cause out there or make a statement, people can focus on something not related to that and give that and, and make that little thing a reason why they don't support or pay attention to what you're doing. Do you think that's just a convenient excuse or do you I, think they I really- believe that I believe no, I believe the flag is a convenient excuse but also i believe that it's not really a war between races or cultures it's just a war between those who are informed and those who are ignorant Mm. like people who are like you're disrespecting the flag haven't don't know the rules on what is disrespecting the flag because if you've ever worn a flag on your swimming trunks or anything eating eating off of a 
a, a plate that had a flag on it. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. all disrespectful to the flag by the rules of how you're supposed to respect the flag. Mm-hmm. But they don't. But but if you're mad, you, you can just use the flag or then support the troops. There's all these other new, you know, ideas that are brought in to counter the fact that Colin Kaepernick is speaking out against police injustice, police brutality, and inequalities within the system of our nation. Right. That's it, right there. But if you don't want to have that conversation, you can find anything in the world to distract from. There's it. always like a what about. But what, what about? Yeah, but what about? Oh, black or black? What about Chicago? <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. my favorite. Oh, that's what about Chicago? <laughs> what about black on black crime? Like, and here's the thing, like, even in the phrases, black on black crime, but we don't hear the phrase white on white crime. It's Even though called, 85% of white people are killed by other white it's people. It's just yeah. called crime. <laughs> but crime. you say black on black crime when you're trying to counter a right. black lives matter. Right. Or you say all, all lives, lives matter, matter to counter black lives matter. And here's the thing. All lives do matter. But all lives matter was not a phrase right. until black lives matter. Right. So if you create a phrase to counter black lives matter... You're not saying all lives matter. You're countering Black Lives Matter. Right. Yeah. All, I mean, I read the Bible. It says, uh, you know, <laughs> treat others like you want to be treated. That's all lives matter. You know, honor right. your mother and father, your wife. Duh. All lives men mattered. <laughs> right. Men mattered since the beginning of time. But certain lives don't matter in in certain situations. Right. Like American history. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is which is again why it's so important to have artists like you that are giving people a lens into experiences that they've been totally shielded from. And I think the the main thing that I try to do is not be preachy. I feel like there's mm-hmm. a lot of comedians and a lot of people. I you know, you got Tanahasi Coates, you got Michael Eric Dyson, you got mm-hmm. Don Lemon, Anders, uh all these people who will give you the facts in a very kind of luxury kind of way. What you need, you need to just get your your facts. But then as a comedian, I want to slide in facts or make you think differently while laughing. Because some of us didn't graduate college, don't like school, don't like being told what to do. Mm -hmm. But if I can back you into some information by laughter, Mm -hmm. I'm only helping. That's what I want to do, just... Right. It's like cherry-flavored medicine. Exactly. It's like it's what you need, put a little cherry in it. Do you remember the Lewin's cough drops? Oh, yeah. The, that's what it's Luton's cough drops Luton's cough drops you know it's like it's not gonna be as good as taking the syrup straight to the head yeah but <laughs> it's gonna help a little bit but you're gonna enjoy it more wow and so you need those you need different ways of getting information out there and I, I only wanna be woke or informative for like a third of the time because that's not I also just wanna be I, I wanna have fun I wanna chill I wanna I chill have, yeah. I don't yeah, wanna yeah. be that guy like I came to learn so I watched James Davis do stand up like no <laughs> right no, we can talk wanna, about the club we yeah, can talk about some other stuff I wanna talk about all the dumb stuff too but that's what I, I like just having like different stages of the of the of the set. Well, okay, we're gonna have fun. You're gonna get to know me. But now that you get to know me and we've connected, let's talk about some deeper stuff for a second. So the set is you. Like you have the fun things you're into, but mm-hmm. you also have this sort of social consciousness. Exactly. Yeah. Ex- exactly. Yeah. That's that's what's up. So how did so how I mean how did this all like just I mean come together? Right. You're from South Central, right? And then you moved to L.A. after college, or how did the pattern I, I'm work? from South Central, and I moved to L.A. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> Wait, oh, we can go ahead and edit that. Cut that, cut that when we go. I'm Thank writing you. it down right now. Right. Thanks. Um, I should watch Hood of Jason. Yeah, you know, it's cool. cool I mean, yeah, we need to do, season two, we're going to have to really break down what L.A. is. Because a lot right. of people are like, man, I'm from L.A. Where? Santa Clarita? That's 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 not <laughs> L.A., that's Santa Clarita. Right. But um, I 
from stand up to I had a live show called Urban Dictionary where I was pretty much just explaining newer phrases for my white comedy audiences or my mainstream audiences because the show was in the back of a comic book store. So it was a very it was one of my more white shows that uh-huh. I do. Comedy Central saw the show. They liked it, gave me a Snapchat show based on that, where I was then explaining on their Snapchat Discover channel these phrases. Uh, and then they're like, we like this, it's doing well. Give us a half-hour variety kind of version of this show or inspired by this. And that's how my show came about. But at the end of the day, it's like, I always wanted like my own Chappelle show. Mm. And then, you know, Chappelle, Kim Peel. You can't go to Comedy Central and just be like, I want a sketch show too. Yeah. And they're aware of it as well because there's just too much pressure of like, oh, so he's, even though I didn't even have a sketch show, people were telling me I was trying to be the Chappelle show. Did Dave say this? Nah. He Dave. said it about Kid Pill. Hey, hey, you gotta be careful. You? I was nervous. I was nervous. I was like, <laughs> right. I, I love Dave Chappelle too much for him to talk shit about me. To that come might, out and be like, that's my show again. That, yeah. <laughs> that might derail all my confidence. <laughs> have you gotten a chance to talk to him? I've met him a few times. Yeah. Definitely a handful of times. But I, I'm also like, not a groupie and yeah being from LA you see a lot of celebrities so you're you're desensitized to them you don't like oh my gosh so when I see a celebrity I just I kind of keep quiet unless they talk to me I'm just I'm aware okay that's Dave Chappelle I freaking love that dude but I didn't sit there and like ask him any questions or tell him he's the best (sighs) because oh no 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 the very first time I met Dave Chappelle, I super fanned out. <laughs> oh, you did? You oh, told him man. he was the best. <laughs> it was a second floor laugh factory. And I mean, he was talking to somebody. I interrupted the conversation. I was like, you're the best. Like, you're the reason I do this. Da-da-da-da. And he looked at me weird. And I was like, oh, that's right. Because he's just a normal person. And you just interrupted a conversation. <laughs> right. to tell. And then also now I, I get it. Like, he's a comedian. He's a chill dude. He's just one of the most brilliant minds comedy has ever seen. But, you know, on a day-to-day basis, he's just being Dave. So... What it's weird to just run up on somebody and just be like, you're the best. Right. So I kind of learned my lesson from that point on, which is, hey, when these guys aren't on TV, they're just being a normal person like you are. And I, I, I it's weird for me sometimes when somebody just comes up to fans me. Fans out on Fans you. out on me too, too tough. It's like, because like, what do you say besides thank you? Like, ha, you better believe it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you're damn right I'm the best. Like, it always feels weird. Like, even on my level I'm at right I, my wife one of her co-workers was like uh, oh she was like your husband is Will Jacobs and she was like yeah and he was like oh that's one of the biggest comedians in Charlotte and I'm like who like it just did, it doesn't even feel real celebrity is weird it's it's weird for anybody who didn't do it strictly to become a celebrity like mm. like we're doing this because this is what we want to do and we of course we want to make money and be successful but I wasn't like man I want to be Famous, right? I, I was like, no, this is that looks fun. I want to do comedy, not I want to be famous. Yeah. So it's like I'm accomplishing my goals in comedy, and certain fame comes with it. But it's like, ooh, this is I didn't, I didn't sign it. That's not I, what I, uh, yeah. w- was aiming at. I wasn't aiming for that part. You I, had like these stories and these experiences you wanted to get out and mm-hmm. turn into something. Not I want to be famous, right? Like, like if you're like Chris Brown or like Usher or something, you know that like if you do what you do, you're gonna have mobs of fans that comes with it. But like. With this, it's such a lonely road, and comedy is such brutal that if you're really into the comedy of it and just trying to get your jokes and your performance together, you ain't worried about fans or celebrity because you won't even taste that for, like, you don't feel that, but every once in a while, even if you're a big deal, you know, until you're at, like, the Chappelle, Kevin Hart, like, superstar comedian, 
you're I'm, I'm sitting on the flights. I'm in these hotel rooms by myself, no entourage. You don't feel like a celebrity until somebody says, "Hey, you're a celebrity." You're a celebrity. Right. Now, now I would be remiss if I let you leave cuz I know we got to finish up soon. Yeah. But we got to talk Black Twitter cuz we have a segment on the podcast where we say this this weekend Black Twitter. Uh-huh. And we go over whatever like this I, I think love Black I think Twitter. foot or dick is big right now. I mean, that, oh, yeah. this, this, I thought you said foot or dick. dick. Oh, foot or dick. No, I was no. like I'm late, dog. What is this? That's that's why Hashtag Twitter. foot or dick. <laughs> That's fetish Twitter. It sounds amazing, though. Whatever. <laughs> it does have foot or dick sounds like. I, I don't. I, I'm interested. You want the foot or the dick? I'm gonna I'm gonna buy footerdick.com right now. Go grab that. Well, that's, so we had to talk. So, how, okay, because I because I saw the episode where you Bomani Joe. I mean, it was a real like that was dope. Yeah, shout out to Bomani. Yeah, Jones, like man. how did how did first of all real quick how did that materialize? That's my big homie. Like real right. life, no like casting. I texted him like yo. Like he got to be on my show. When I was in college, while I was at college, mm-hmm. he was at grad school. Okay, at the same place, and he just took me under his wing. So like, because of Bomani Jones, I watched Godfather's, all the Godfather movies. <laughs> that was Bomani. He, he made me like Prince mixtapes. Like you not you not gonna be living life not knowing what Prince is. So like, right, he, he big brothered me. So wow. he's like, a, he's literally I call him my big bro. So I mean, I've always I think, or God has always placed smart thinkers around me and so I've always loved listening to Bomani talk and I was like I would talk about him before talk to him before I even got the show so when I got the show I was like man if anybody's gonna help lift this show to a level intellectually where I want it to be but still be cool and have that swag Bomani Jones Bomani Jones yeah. well that's I, I know he's gotta leave I want, there's so much there's so much I wanted to still talk no, about no no we gotta, we gotta leave right now the black twitter I wanna talk black twitter <laughs> we gotta take up a black twitter okay black so, twitter. So, so okay so <laughs> This is good. This then is I'm going to eat my chicken. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So you can't, and I saw this in an interview too, you can't really hashtag black Twitter. That's not how you find Mm-mm. black Twitter. No. How, explain to the audience listening how, because I've heard had people ask the question, black Twitter, what is that? What is that? First of all, it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Right? That's what I go to it for. Yeah. But what, explain black Twitter to folks if you would. So black Twitter you know what? You find black Twitter in yourself. Mm. By that, you have to have friends and a desire to know what's going on in the culture. And if you do, you'll start following more black people and you'll follow black people who have a lot of black people following them so they retweet stuff. But it's a wormhole that starts with you following black friends and black celebrities or black social media influencers and then when they retweet something then you got to follow that person and you got to keep on following things that pop up into your timeline till next thing you know half to two-thirds of your timeline are just black (laughs) people talking about black issues yeah and then you will have found black twitter but that's it. it it requires a lot of following yeah a lot of Looking at retweets and and being like, I like that. I'm gonna follow this person too. Right. And then next thing you know, you don't even need CNN. <laughs> did you get that, Brian? Did you get all that? I did. It's I, like the Emerald City. Then it's, it's, it's this place that kind of exists somewhere, but really, it's kind of in your heart. It's in your heart. Yeah. You have to desire in your heart to get there. You can't just want to be curious about Black Twitter. You have to, in your heart, want to know what's going on in Black Twitter. And then you will take the proper steps. Yeah, it'll all open up for you. Mm-hmm. That's, first of all, Black Twitter is like there's just some things that are so damn funny. Like some of the hashtags, like Black Thanksgiving or oh, 
It's, dude, it's I will so say this classic. too. You gotta follow certain black comedians mm. and black activists. So I feel like here's here's a start. Follow DC Young Fly, great one. Carlos Miller, mm-hmm. Deray McKesson, mm-hmm. Sean King. Even though he's not black, but he retweets so much <laughs> right. black stuff. Um, you start there, and then you and you just start retweeting what they're retweeting. You're on your way. Yeah, and eventually get to Bomani Jones. I, I oh think my, hey, my Bomani, Bomani Jones and Amanda Seals. Yeah, Amanda Seals is where. That's why I had them on my like those those people in my Black Twitter roundtable. If you follow them, that's a great step one into getting into Black Twitter. Got it. Absolutely. Got it. So where so where where uh well what's the I mean well you have a show now but what what's the like you have any other projects you're oh, working yeah. on anything you excited about when it's so now I've, I you know I've had my show it, it got some critical acclaim so I've been meeting with a lot of people for as far as features and feature ideas so I'm gonna uh, get something going with that development wise I have a scripted show at Hulu right now that's in development they already bought it mm. so we're getting ready to uh, get the the script together so we can shoot a pilot for that so we can get show number two on air. Wow. Uh, and then I'm a really creative person. There's a lot of ideas out there that I just want to get out there. So I'm about empower- empowering the creatives around me so they can get their ideas seen and we can just get more quality television. Like I loved watching Atlanta and oh, Queen man. Sugar and all these <sighs> great shows. And then to have my Insecure, own show. In- yeah. Oh, Insecure. So good. And so there is good television out there and even better ideas that haven't been put out on screen yet and so i think it's on us to really get more quality shows out there even if they don't get picked up for a season two or a season three we have to show the world that there's great tv out there that's not just centered on you know uh white males or whatever they just Whatever, whatever we've been used to. Right, right. It, black folks being these sort of complimentary pieces. Yeah, no. Where more. you got this central white character that's like, "You're gonna date Cindy." Like that's the only yeah. black dude's contribution. Yeah, He's no more token black characters. Like, yeah. give that token black character his own yep. show. Right, yeah. right, right. We want to hear about Mike or whatever, whatever the black dude's name. Because is. here's like, the thing: <laughs> black people are watching white shows. It's not like we only watch black shows. I right. love Friends. I love Seinfeld. I was House of Cards. All these shows where right. I don't see nobody like myself on there right. because it's good TV. Yes, and I think we need to offer that same, you know, opportunity for white people right. who are enjoying Atlanta and Insecure and all these shows. It's like, look, it's just about stories and narratives. And once you put good stories out there it's not about race it's about just humanity and right. the fact that you've gone through something that that character's gone through even if they don't look like you right so how, so how, how can people keep up with you uh social media at the james davis t-h-e-e james davis because there's other james davises out there but i'm the the james davis, james davis. and that's for instagram twitter facebook just james davis you're gonna have to look yeah. Because I didn't do nothing special. It's just James Davis. You don't have to filter through the, these other James Davises. Uh, and then my website, uh, thejamesdavis.net. Uh, .com. I own that, but something happened, so look out for that later on. But right now, go to thejamesdavis.net until .com is back. Man, well, we appreciate you coming through. Much continued success. Um, we'll be right back. Hey, man, thank you guys so much. International Podcast Day is September 30th, and you can help spread the word. You may be asking, what can I do to get involved? It's pretty simple. Head over to internationalpodcastday.com and check the suggestions. 
Then use hashtag International Podcast Day to join the conversation. You can reach out and connect with other podcasters, listeners, and your favorite podcast hosts. Remember September 30th, International Podcast Day, a day-long celebration of the power of podcasts. Welcome back to the Comedy Zone podcast. Now, which which artist? I know this is more of the French pop, right? This is more of the French pop. This is Liz Brady. Liz Brady, not of the Brady Bunch. No. Why is her last name Brady? She ain't French. No, she's French. Brady's a French name. Apparently so. Not Bradois. Maybe it's Brady. Pronouncing it Brady. <laughs> ben- <laughs> I just love this stuff. I like it's hard, this. It's hard to be in a bad mood when you listen to this. Yeah. My son would love this. I'll send it to you. Yeah, you should send it to me. This is his. Uh, this is his wheelhouse. This is his. This is right. <laughs> straight down the middle. French pop from the sixties. That's the five right. months old. Love it. Absolutely. Five love it. So that was fun. James that was, was great. great, right? What a good guy. Yeah. I like him a lot. Yeah, I like I like James a lot. Uh, we he's down to earth. We talked about it. he's you know humble. He's accomplished a lot, but he's just you know it's it's a good interview. I like those. I feel like that's how I'm going to be when I'm a megastar. You think so? <laughs> the, I, right. Just, just. That's when I explode. That's exactly what I'm going to. When, uh, <laughs> when I'm a global superstar, I'm going to I'm going to be humble like that. When I'm Russell Peters. When I'm, when I'm Russell Peters mixed with Kevin Hart with a splash of Seinfeld. Straight to the top. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be humble like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's good. Absolutely, man. <laughs> so I wanted to talk about this game last night because now, last week, we actually had a good Thursday night game, which shocked America. Right, yes. We're talking Packers-Bears Thursday night, September 28th. Yes. Bears at Packers. Yes. And we all knew who was going to win. We just didn't know by how much. Even though you told me that there were some people that thought the Bears heard, had a chance. I heard some experts saying that the Packers were so beat up, the Bears have a shot. And and clearly experts who have not watched the Bears play this year. Right. Although they beat Pittsburgh, but but Pittsburgh may have been distracted by the, by the whole <laughs> national anthem coming out of the yeah. locker room, not coming they out. They, they, somebody, yeah, the one guy hokey pokey everybody. He said he's in, he's out, he's in, he's out. Then they, they stayed back and he was out. I don't know what, and then they blamed it on like confusion in the tunnel or something. I don't know what the. And then they came out and they ran their offensive plays the same way. Nobody was on the same page that whole afternoon. Nobody was on the same page. But no, so last night uh, there was um, a gruesome, gruesome hit last night. Uh, Danny Trevathan hit uh, Devontae Adams. It was, it was just, it was a dirty play. It was a dirty play. You see his head snap back like a damn Pez dispenser, yeah. right? And I'm just like, mouthpiece it shook, flies out. Yeah, yeah. like mouthpiece. I shook me up. Like I was sitting there yeah. kind of like, you know, and is that like, do you look at that and you go, okay, that's part of the problem with football or do you go, that's the problem with that guy? Yeah, I, I think it, it, here's the thing. The, it looked in the clip that I saw, it looked like he was, he was pretty well wrapped up. He was on his way down. He was on his way down. And the defender – uh, Trevathan, you said, mm-hmm. saw an opportunity to hurt a guy. They were losing by a lot. He was frustrated. Period. B- 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 because there's there's zero reason for him to take part in that tackle. Right. Or, you know, you take part in it, but you don't target a guy's head with the top of your head. And secondly, hitting with the crown of the helmet 
you can do a lot of damage to yourself too hitting yeah. with it. So it was spearing in addition to taking an opportunity to hit a guy in the head. Flat out a dirty play. I, I, it was not flagged, right? No. I, well, no. I think it may have been. I don't remember. I think it. I think it was flagged. Ooh. I don't want to. I don't. I heard. I saw a lot of complaining on Twitter that it wasn't flagged. Yeah, that it wasn't. Or that he wasn't tossed out. That it wasn't flagged. Oh, okay. Well, but even if you, I don't know for sure. You know, yeah. If you flag it or didn't, like you know, it doesn't undo that hit. That I mean, that. I I don't know. I I don't know. That those are the times when I look at football and I'm like, what am I watching? But what what is this? I agree that that was ugly. I, I, I don't th- think – I'm of the belief that you can coach that kind of thing out of football. Yeah. But it starts when they're when they're in Pop Warner. Right. You know what I mean? It starts, you know, it starts with those coaches, not um, teaching fundamentals, um, not leading with your helmet, but leading with your shoulder to make a tackle. You know, not going for the big hit. You know, we all love the big hit. We all like to see guys get lit up. But you don't have to play that way. You can still be physical. The goal is to get a guy down. The goal is not to cripple a guy for the rest of his life. You know. I think we ought to, too, ought to ratchet up the penalties. You know. Why is it 15 yards? How about, hey, game's over. They win. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Green Bay wins because of that. See you next week. <laughs> like that's just like cost your team a game. Yeah. The only currency you have, I think, in terms of discipline, is either playing time, where you throw a guy out, or you find him enough that it hurts. Mm. So it, it, you take away a game check. You take away multiple game checks. Woo! Um, you know you that take hurts. Away- because because um, you can't find these guys ten thousand dollars. They've got that much in the cushions of their couch. Right. You know. So so you have to do something that wakes them up to not do that. You know, suspend this guy without pay for a year. <laughs> you want to send a message? That's the message. Wow. That the league the league will not tolerate that. Yeah, because that guy. I mean. He could have died, Brian. That, yeah. that was oh, yeah. bad. Yeah. I mean, that was if you'd have caught his neck in the right spot, like that was horrific. Yeah. And they both could have died. Yeah, he that's the thing. Is right. It yeah. could hurt the person doing it. So yeah, they, they need to, to to figure out a way to get that yeah. out of the game. That I oh I won't like I won't let my son play. I you know, we've had I, that. we used to have this conversation. My wife was always, he's not gonna play, and I was always like, eh, we'll see. I, uh, but now I'm like, I just it's one wrong hit. I I can't. Yeah. I can't. I, you do you do see, you see all the CTE stuff, um, and they're hitting that way. I've been to some of these games with these kids. Some of them are hitting like that now. Yeah, but that that again, you know, that doesn't start necessarily with what they're seeing on TV. It starts with the coaches. These these some pop Warner coaches who get all you know fired up about big hits and stuff like that. Well, these kids are four, five, and six years old. I don't care about big hits. I care about fundamentals. Right, right. You know, getting the head across a bow. It, it, if occasional hits like that will happen, even in the most cleanly played game, occasional hits like that will happen. But if you coach a kid to keep his head up, you know, when you hit, if it happens, you know, you can start 
aiming your right or left shoulder, you know, towards the guy and the guy moves or whatever, sometimes you're going to make contact. You know, that's going to happen. But if you coach the kids fundamentally well to hit what you see, see what you hit, keep your head up, you won't see the neck injuries in those accidental you know things that happen because you can you know if your neck is bowed when you go in for a hit you could run into a freight train and not break your neck hmm. it's when you it's when you lower your head like you know what happened last night where you get the spinal compression or the net the the the, the um, cervical compression and and coach kids to keep their heads up always see where you're going on the field it's not that complicated. And this is, I mean, and you played football Ten years, collegiate yeah. and high school, yeah, right? Yeah. So this, I mean, this is, you've been in there. Yeah. You, you've, you've seen this stuff. So mm-hmm. you're saying that if they just taught kids to tackle differently, it would eliminate a lot of what we see? I think so. It, it would take time. Obviously, you know, you're talking about, you know, a kid who's six years old or, you know, a group of athletes who are six years old to work their way up. But it starts, that's where it starts. But, you know, you get all these young coaches who used to play the game, they played in high school or whatever, and they get all fired up about big hits. Yeah. And, and then it, it doesn't help when ESPN has what they used to do, jacked up. Yeah, you got jacked up. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> what? Oh. Yeah. I, 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 you, I mean, what? you know, I like a big, a big clean hit as much as the next guy. Yeah. You know, I don't like, you know, seeing a guy get brained like I saw last night, you know, with a guy hitting with the crown of his helmet. Anytime right. if you lower your head like that, you're looking to hurt somebody, period. So with the neck back, because when you describe it, it feels like keeping your neck back, your chin, you could get hurt. But you're saying, no, that's not if that head's yeah, no, back. No, because your face mask is down, you know, low enough. You know, you're not going to take it in the chin. If, if you aim, you know, the crossbar that's right here uh, – uh, between your eyes, if you're seeing where you're going at all times and what you're hitting, you you will not hurt your neck. Wow! So they're lowering that head mm-hmm. and spearing people. Yeah. Man. Well, uh, how, how's Detroit doing? Let's let's check on you. Can I just say that that thing last week at the end of the Atlanta game? Oh, so Detroit. <laughs> Didn't was, you write that on Twitter? Didn't you it say was the, the most, most Detroit? Detroit thing that ever happened, dude? And, and you know what the funny thing is? I just like the status because I thought I didn't know. I just liked it. I don't. Sometimes I like a status and I don't know why I like it. Yeah. But I didn't know that that call got reversed. Yeah, I saw that touchdown and I turned the game. Yeah, because I'm like, oh, oh well, good, good for Detroit. Yeah, they reversed it. And then that weird <laughs> rule that I've never seen. I've never seen in fifty some years. <laughs> You know, all of a sudden, you know, because it was a scoring play, so the clock had stopped. Yeah. And the ten second runoff. Yeah, the ten second runoff with only eight seconds left. So they review the play. That's it. Game the game's over. over. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, I I it's the it's the it's that it's um you know, Aaron Rodgers with a Hail Mary on the untimed down after the face mess penalty that didn't happen. It's 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 Kelvin Johnson in the end zone at Chicago. The thing that started the whole is it a catch oh, or not rolling a catch thing? Over. Oh, that's all. Every single one of those plays cost Detroit a game. <laughs> wow. So it's wow. It, it, the 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 uh, uh, the hail mary against uh, Seattle. Yeah. Or that uh, the okay. There was the face mask against Aaron Rodgers that wasn't a face mask. He I mean, he got shoulder. a shoulder pad mm-hmm. instead that gave the Packers the untown 
dime right. uh, uh, play. Mm-hmm. Never mind, you know, putting aside the fact that for some reason on the un- untimed Hail Mary, the Lions were covering the sidelines. I <laughs> don't even get me started about that. <coughs> but the 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 uh, um, um, the play at the end of the game, I want to say the walk off uh, touchdown against Seattle, maybe two or three years ago, where the the offensive player grabbed the face mask of the defender, turned it around, and made the one hand catch in the end zone. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So that's four right there in the past. So that was Golden Tate when he was in Seattle, right? I think so. I think yeah. so. So that's. Just you know, the four plays I can think of off the top of my head in the last six years or so that have cost the Lions games. Wow. Um, someone I saw this meme that had like still shots from every single one of those plays on it. It was just oh oh oh, it just hurt. so it's you can't. I'm I'm still somewhat encouraged by what I'm seeing out of the Lions. I'm not ready to say they're going to the playoffs. I think they're maybe right now the best team in the in the NFC uh, North. That's tough. With Bradford hurt, you might be. I, if, if with a healthy Bradford, I that yeah. team's hard to beat. Yeah. I, that defense is Minnesota's defense is yeah. Xavier Rose might be the best cornerback in football. Yeah, he's yeah. really good. So I, I, I you know, I'm in Kurt. <laughs> then I saw something that said like, uh, um, you know, Matt Prater, the Lions kicker, yeah, was um, NFC's uh, special teams player of the week. Got me two, 23 points in fantasy. Yep. And somebody said, like, you know, he's been a big part of the Lions' resurgence this season. I'm like, that's not a good sign. Gee, gee. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a, I, don't, I don't think that's a positive. Your kicker ain't supposed to be been a big part of nothing. <laughs> your kicker's your MVP. You got a problem. Speaking of <laughs> kickers being MVP, though. Right? The Eagles. 61 yards. 61. First of all, okay, let me tell you how it is as an Eagles fan. Those are the kind of kicks people hit against you. Right, right. You're never on that side of a play like that as an Eagles fan. So I just, I mean, I'm sitting there watching this, and I absolutely lost my mind. I was at work. See, here's the other thing. I don't think my wife's going to listen to this episode, so I'll just tell you. (sighs) Okay. So I have NFL uh, Sunday Ticket. Yes. Right, which streams to my phone. Uh, Streams to, I can stream it from my iPad. I can stream it from a phone, whatever. Well, I went into the office on Sunday to do some work, and my wife was just, she was just like, you know, I'm just I just want to take a second and thank you for all that you do for our family. She'll do that sometimes. My wife is like a Hallmark card. She's like a walking Hallmark card, which is very sweet. I love it. Right. Uh, except when she's mad and then she's the opposite. So so, she, so then she's like a, an Internet comment section after that but when she but when she's when she's happy though she's very sweet so she said oh you know i just want to thank you for you know what you're doing and i mean going in on a weekend i know how much you love football so for you to not watch football to go and work an extra day to bring a little more money in for the family she was like i just really appreciate it i think that's great because i know how much you love it and i said any real man would do the same thing i it, I'm I'm just I'm a man. I love my family. This is not a thing to me. Family first, okay? Family first. <laughs> Football, way down the list. All right, but she didn't know I have NFL Sunday ticket <laughs> on my phone, so I watched all those damn games. <laughs> so she didn't know you were sitting in your car in the parking lot. I saw everything. <laughs> You panned to me like an hour later. Yes! Staring at my phone with a bunch of files spread out in front of me. I didn't do shit on Sunday but watch football. 
But I did it at work, so I got paid. So you got paid to watch football. Yeah, but yeah, my wife. She, I just came home, and she just like, mm, mm, mm. I just, I just love you so much, and I said, I love you too. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've got this figured out. Oh, I'm getting. <laughs> I, I'm learning something new every day. I'm a lot further along than I used to be. <laughs> I used to be into like, you know, telling the truth all the time and shit. No, nah, that gets you nowhere. You got to ration that out. Yeah. You can't be. So, yeah. So, I was, I'm was i a hero in my house. At least I was that day. Then I messed up something and she got mad and then I was like the most inconsiderate whatever. But that day I was a hero in my house. Yeah. And uh, thanks to Sunday Ticket. <laughs> I was a you're hero a, for a day. You're a, you're a Sunday Ticket uh, commercial waiting to happen. Because let me tell you something. If I couldn't watch football, there's no way I was going into the office on no, Sunday. No, no, no. Forget it. Yeah. Yeah, football is, yeah. Yeah. So how many people are going to lose their cases now because? (laughs) (laughs) Staggering. Staggering. This would be a lot of unhappy clients. (laughs) You said it was in the bag. Well, we had to get get something into the judge. I didn't finish it. What do you want me to do? It was long. I'm a shitty attorney, Brian. I say that in my material. People think I'm kidding. But they still bring their cases to me, so whatever. Yeah, what are you going to do? Yeah, what are you going to do? Shit. But the Eagles hit a 61-yard field goal on Crazy. Sunday. Uh, this kid's going to be the mayor of field. Now, he's going to miss the next 10. That's how it works for us. But to beat the Giants. Is that the kid who was? He was on the Bengals practice squad. Yeah, it's what's his name? Do you remember? Jake Elliott. Okay. All right, so not the same kid who was kicking for the Raiders when uh, Janikowski was hurt. No, that's a whole sort of... Yeah, yeah. The Lions had him for half a minute in camp, I think, and then let him go. What was he? He's not the Asian kicker, though. No, that's uh, San Diego's kicker. This is Rojas. I, Rojas yeah. is the yeah. dude for, okay. for, uh, the dude for the Raiders. Yeah, why do we know the names of kickers? Fantasy. That's the only reason I know it's fantasy, because yeah. I had him on my team. See, that I got hurt the last play... Um, of my college career was a field goal attempt. So I have a I have a I have a big dislike for kickers. You lost because of a field goal? No. I I that was the last play of my career. I, I blew my knee out. No on, on a field goal. So I have I have I have a, a distaste for kickers. How you blow your knee out on a field goal attempt? The guy okay, so I was a right tackle. Yeah. The guy playing um who lined up for the field goal yeah. over, over the guard next to me was the defensive tackle who was normally lined up over me during a regular down play. And he, um, on a field goal attempts, you kind of lock your knees out and you prevent, you know, your guy from getting through, obviously, <laughs> but your, your knees are locked. Yeah. So there's no, you know, they're not bent. They're, they're, they're kind of locked straight. Yeah. So uh, the guy over the guard next to me, who normally was the tackle who played who played over me during regular downs, who I was dominating for mm. the, the entire first half, um, went you know engaged the guard in front of me and then backed off and took my knee out. You think he did it on purpose? Oh, there's no question he did it on purpose. Yeah, yeah. I watched the film afterwards, and there's no doubt. I mean, because he went into him, he backed out, and he, you know, what I mean, he, he absolutely targeted my knee. What what did you ever talk to that guy after? No, that? no, no, no. No, it, it, there was no reason to. He did what he did. And that's fine. But yeah, um, but that was it. Yeah, th- that was my last play in college. Uh, that was f- uh, first game of my junior season. I can't imagine the level of pain you were in. Oh yeah, it's I I bit through my mouthpiece. Oh my god. Yeah. Well, so what was the, so you had torn what the ACL? The- um, actually, it ended up being a, a bad MCL sprain and a, a uh, meniscus tear. 
So so it wasn't as bad as it could have been. It wasn't t- t- an ACL is more if you take a hit from the front, mm. you know, and it and it shifts backwards. This was more like that. Oh my goodness! So it was just you know a severe sprain of the MCL and the yeah, and a partial tear of the MCL and then the meniscus was shredded. But damn, yeah. Know. So um, I don't care much for kickers. Just for really no other reason other than my last play was a field goal. It yeah. feels like a convenient excuse to not like kickers. I'm full disclosure. I was not crazy about him before either. Yeah. Does anybody like? Well, none of the people doing the real work like kickers. Like yeah. if you're another player on the team <laughs> right. who has to go through real practices and stuff, why would you like the kicker? Yeah, dude, because every time you know during practice you look at the kickers and they're all just kind of standing there flipping a football up. They're not really doing anything, right. you know, or they're right next to the water and they're just kind of drinking water and and. But the, 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 the a field goal to me always felt like failure. Yeah, you know, your drive had stalled. You're, you know, unless it's at the end of the game when you're end trying end to work like, the oh. clock to get into field goal like range. Jake Elliott. But in the in the third quarter, you know, you got a decent good, uh, drive going and it stalls on the twenty five. That just means you failed. Yeah. So nobody likes so, the kickers. Nope. Kickers are probably the only pe- the athletes that get death threats like from their own team. <laughs> 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 like, hold on, this is. Wait a minute. <laughs> Rob, you ready? <laughs> what the fuck? I sent two lockers down from you. You could have told me this. So is it sweeter when you kick a long field goal like that against the Giants? Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because we have a history of, of beating the Giants at the last second. We had the miracle at the Meadowlands. That was Herm Edwards. Right. right. Uh, that was part one. And then we had Deshaun Jackson with the miracle at the Meadowlands part two. Right. And then this one was at. Our stadium, but still another kind of miracle, except we weren't on the brink of losing. We were on the brink of overtime yeah, yeah. and blowing a big lead to go to overtime. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, I mean, you had Odell Beckham crawling around like a dog. He was on the all fours, and he lifted his leg up like he was yeah, pissing on the stage. All of that stuff, and it's like, we got you. Well, I mean, he's going out there for a 61-yard attempt. So I'm like, okay, I'll get ready for overtime. And, uh, no, the kid hit it right in the bottom corner of the – he hit it. And yeah. that never happens, which – you know, tells me we're going to the Super Bowl because these, these sorts of things they don't happen to us. Buy your tickets now. Your I tickets s- now. I saw a T-shirt uh, showed up in my in my in my uh, Facebook feed. Yeah, um, and I thought of you immediately and I almost bought it with you in mind. Oh God! But I don't quite know your side. It was um, it said it was a green shirt, Eagles um, green shirt, and it said something I can't remember. Th- th- the exact wording, but it was like Buddy's Bounty Hunters or something like that. Mm. Oh, yeah. The Buddy Ryan era. The bounty bag game. The Yeah. yeah that dude. He was Greg Would you Williams wanted that shirt? Would Greg you wear Williams. that shirt? Oh, that yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. I'm good. I'd have worn that. Yeah. What, size, what size shirt? Uh, large or XL. Either one. Large? Really? Yeah. If I'm feeling particularly fit, <laughs> I wear the large. This too tight sometimes. Okay. And then, uh, but XLs too. But XL, large. Okay. You know. All right. All right. I'm good. Hashtag that goals. Let's go large. <laughs> Large? You yeah, want a large? Go large. You sure? Yeah. Well, yeah. Not, is your wife going to inherit the shirt if you? Yes. Because that's what happens to me. If it's like if, if it I know oh, this shirt's awesome, I love it. I'm buying it, and then I get it, and my wife just has another night shirt. Yeah, my wife always, <laughs> uh, my wife always uh, takes my stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. She and and then she goes. I don't know if your wife ever hit you with this, but she goes. It makes me feel closer to you. Mm. No bullshit. You just want a big ass shirt. <laughs> I don't wear your panties talking about it. I'm feeling closer. That don't work no other way. That's not the reason. Yeah. That, that, all right. Because I'm foot, foot or dick. 
fetish man. Footerdick.com. I'm buying it. Footerdick.com. Get ready, folks. They'll be coming at you soon. So, uh, great interview. We missed Sammy, but I think we did all right. We did as good as well as you can do without Sammy. Yeah, it doesn't smell as nice in here. It does Sammy's not. Gone. It does not. She does but, smell yeah, good. Yeah, but it's you know I think we I think I think she'd be proud of us. We did our best. All right. All right. See you next week. Comedy Zone Podcast is a production of Comedy Zone Worldwide and is recorded in a bunker just off the Comedy Zone showroom at the Abbott Exchange Music Factory in Charlotte, North Carolina. The executive producers of the Comedy Zone Podcast are Brian Heffern and Brian Bumpashevitz. Talent Wrangler is Mike Hall. Original music composed and performed by John McKeever. <laughs>